2: tcl is a proud sponsor of the score north studios tcl america's fastest growing tv brand one two three it's mackie and judd with rami with rami
0: 5 o'clock hour of Mackey and Judd with Rami. I'm Rami. There's Judd Zelgad, Jonathan Harrison on the other side of the glass, minus Phil Mackey this afternoon. We'll wrap with Roycey this hour. Patrick Roycey joins us at 540, and that nonsense that went on in Pittsburgh coming up at 520. Judd and I, our thoughts on that. But uh, we were talking about the Twins a little earlier, Judd, and watching that series over the weekend, and uh watching Justin Morneau sort of, Mature and and blossom as a broadcaster here, in his this is his first year as the color analyst on Fox Sports
1: North? Am I right? Yeah, he did. Uh, he worked a package of games last year. Okay, and so and and it's going to be split between a bunch of guys th- this year, but he's the first guy, so he's going to work a package of games again. But this is his second year of doing games. I at all I
0: like what I've heard from him, but you can tell it's it. He's still raw, and mm-hmm. there is still polishing that needs to be done there. And I I don't get the sense that he's one hundred percent. Uh, feeling himself or, or 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 comfortable in in that chair just yet, but
1: it seems to me like there is something there with Justin Morneau. Would you agree? Definitely. Okay. And and here's my so here's my starting point. My starting point is not how enthusiastic is the person or or how the person looks or anything like that. My starting point as a fan is do I learn one or two things per game. Are you telling me things I don't know? Right. Or more importantly, what I absolutely love is, are you seeing things and identifying things I don't see? Just subtle little things. And Morneau does that. And and yes, so he is growing into the job. It's going to take some time, but he's meeting the most important requirement, which is he is using the fact that he played the game and knows way more than I do to educate me.
0: It's, it is the most important requirement, but you... You need some entertainment from that booth, don't you? It can't just be X's and O's and baseball for nine innings, especially not in the sport of baseball, you know, because there, there are a lot of openings that you have to fill as a broadcast team. I'm not putting it just on the color analyst, yeah. but there's a lot of time that needs to be filled over the course of a baseball game. I need some entertainment from my booth. I don't know about you, but I need, oh, no, some, I need some, some entertainment but from I my booth. But I feel like
1: he's got it. I, I feel like that that's there, and it's just going to take some time to come out. If the person, if you could tell that the person is humorless entirely, that's a problem. But if you could tell the person's just trying to to get comfortable, and, and eventually, and this is a process. Like, there's no education for it, right? Right. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go work games in Rochester, and now oh, I got really good there, and I'm going to go up to the big leagues. So, I think my requirement there is, is I do agree with what you're saying, but I don't listen to him and think, boy, he's never going to change. Right. You know. And, and if my alternatives are, are you going to try and entertain me and be funny or teach me, I'm always going teaching first. What do you want in an analyst as uh, Justin Morneau starts to like, f- get comfortable
0: in I, that Fox Sports North booth? 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North.
1: I tweeted this on Saturday. Here's what I want. And, um, and there, there was a package of games that they did this on Fox Sports North with uh, Morneau and Bramer last year. And I got this idea, and this booth is fantastic, okay? So I'm not saying that the Twins would automatically have the same booth, but I think the idea is the right idea. I want, if you're going to have a traditional play-by-play guy, I want a three-man booth. And I want to be guys like Morneau, um, Bramer, and Smalley. Uh, Smalley joined Morneau for a a bunch of home games, I think, last year, Mm -hmm. and it was fantastic. Because as far as I'm concerned, then the play-by-play guy can ask questions too, He can certainly take care of the formulaics of the broadcast. But when you listen to Mets games and Darling and Hernandez, and that's great because it's pitcher batter. But when you listen to them start talking about strategy and go back and forth, it relaxes a guy like Justin a lot Mm -hmm. because then it's not on him to explain. So like Roy can talk to him and draw on, on Justin's knowledge and vice versa. And then it becomes a fantastic conversation, and as a listener, I, I sit there, and I'm enthralled because I'm like, you're talking about stuff that I wouldn't think about.
0: It's great, and it it would be a lot easier if, and these guys, I don't even know if or how many of them are still in the game, but there used to be colorful play-by-play announcers in the game, the, the Harry Carries, the Tom Brenneman's, the... Uh, who was the guy in Detroit for a long time? Ernie Harwell? Uh, Ernie Harwell. Oh, he was fantastic, yeah. There, there were those guys, so you got the personality, you got the entertainment, you got the humor from the play-by-play guy, and then the color analyst could be pretty much just X's and O's or just play off the the, the, the play-by-play guy who was a personality in his own right. My favorite... Analyst and favorite broadcast team ever on a baseball game probably wouldn't surprise you knowing I'm a Cubs fan and growing up in the era that I did. But Harry Carey and Steve Stone. Harry- oh, they were great. Harry Carey was half drunk most of the game and and you know spelling people's yep. names backwards and quips and jokes. Greg Zolnik. Greg spell backwards and then he would try and do it on the fly and and it was it was great. You know you'd be sitting there and you'd be entertained you'd be laughing you'd be enjoying the game and then Steve Stone would jump in. And he he knows everything. Like, and he would know what pitch the pitcher was throwing the, before the pitcher knew. And he's walking you through pitch strategy and how you set up a hitter. Because Steve Stone was a long time pitcher, and I think one is Cy Young himself in his playing days. So he, he obviously is very in tune and tied into the game and literally was like Nostradamus in the booth. He'd be telling you things that were going to happen before they were going to happen and telling you why they were going to happen, why the pitcher was setting up the batter that he the way that he was setting up or why the batter was setting up the pitcher the way that he was setting him up or how you set up an infield for a double play and and every just everything that goes into baseball. I feel like I learned most of what I know about baseball growing up watching Steve Stone, but he could be that, yep. and as far as entertainment goes, just play off of Harry Carey because Harry Carey was such the personality and brought so much of that entertainment factor to the booth. Yep, I think in one way or another, you need the entertainment factor in that booth, and like I said, especially for baseball. So if more no doesn't have, and I, he has to, he has to have more personality and more yeah, entertainment value in him than he has. It's yeah. just a matter of finding that comfort zone and how he how he gets it in there it's all part of the broadcast game which is what what we do as well so but if he can't bring a sufficient level of that to it and is more x's and o's then i like what you're saying which is bring a third guy in there and a that brings more personality more entertainment but also probably brings more personality and more entertainment out of
1: more no in the in the process and baseball now takes a long enough time to where it does it lends itself to to what can turn into lengthy conversations about strategies, right? Yeah. So if you have two guys that played the game and going back and forth, and the play by play guy could do his thing, but doesn't need to talk much, and can, as I said before, ask questions, that to me is absolutely ideal because they're going to go back and forth, they're going to debate, they're going to. Again, see things we don't see, and and when Smalley worked with Justin last year, Justin definitely loosened up. Because I think it's a lot to go into in your first full year, probably on the job. It's a lot to go into this and be like, I got to carry a certain portion. But if you got Roy there, who's been do- doing this for a long time, and is not a full time guy himself, but is is familiar with the system and how things work. Because you know, TV's got a lot of stuff too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's you know there's replays and there's a lot of things that that go on behind the scenes on a television broadcast that take some time to adjust to. I think it'd be very smart, at least at home, where it would definitely be cheaper to try and get three guys and and let Dick do the reads and all that good stuff. And you know, my my thing about baseball too and sports across the board, on TV, how much play by play do you need now? Not a ton. Meaning, I don't either. Which is why when Jim Pete starts to talk on Wolves games and Ben's doesn't talk much, I'm like, this is just fine. Mm -hmm. I can see what's going on. I don't need you to describe there's a ground ball to short or there's a 6-4-3. Now, if, if I can't see the game, obviously it's completely different. But television now to me and watching games live has become way more about... Almost being, it's a broadcast as well, but it's also a talk show of sorts. And I just, there's so many things about about sports that really smart people about that sport can tell you. And you don't know, and you're like, oh, wow. When, when Tom Kelly did Twins games, and he stopped a couple of years back, but he would do like five, right? Mm-hmm. Five, six, seven, I don't know. He did a very, he did... A very small amount of twins games in the TV booth. And Rami, I'm not kidding. He was as dry as could be. And you could tell he didn't give two hoots about, you know, the formulaics, right? He didn't care. But I would go away from those games being like, I learned about eight things. He'd be talking about center field positioning on a ball that went to right field, just this nuanced little stuff. And you would, and I would be like, there's in a million years I wouldn't have thought what what you just saw I would never have thought to look I love that stuff I love it too it's a man by the way Roy Smalley joins
0: us every Tuesday here on Mackie and Judd with Rami and it's, I'm not
1: just saying that because Roy joins us but yeah he's really good tomorrow
0: at four twenty why do you think that the uh, the personality has been removed from play by play guys. Why do you think it's been so sterilized? And I, I don't—I don't mean to rip any of the current play-by-play no, like, play guys who are out there now. It's that—it's more the climate of of the industry and yes. of that job. Yes. But why? I don't understand why baseball felt
1: a need to sterilize play-by-play men. I don't think it's baseball. I think it's sports across the board, and I think it has to do with with the fact that teams object to being criticized and, and or critiqued, and so the play-by. Harry Carey was great. Why? Because when the Cubs stunk, he'd say. You know, you, that guy stinks. Right. It was great. Right. And, and what I loved about guys like Harry was, there was no question in your mind, he was a diehard Cubs fan, right? And wanted the Cubs to win. But that meant that he would criticize them. And now, if you watch a game, the play-by-play guy can be a homer at times, and there's no doubt that there's guys in this town, some guys, who are. But when's the last time you watched a game and thought, Man, the play-by-play guy loves Team A, but because of that, he just ripped him. When's the last time? I can't tell you. But I think that's that's what you're talking about. If you're a homer and it goes both ways, and so you are rooting for the Twins, but darn it, if a guy drops a fly ball, you're going to tell us that that stunk? Then I'm all for it. Go go ahead and, and pull for the Twins. But if it's all Pollyanna and, oh, oh, man, this guy's fantastic. Well, when he screws up, if you don't tell me that, to me, you lose credibility instantly.
0: I just like that element of humor and unpredictability from anybody in that booth, like where you don't know what they're going to say next, whereas with, yes. with, with booths today, not that you know what they're going to say next necessarily because you might not know the game as well as Justin Morneau or somebody else who played it, but there's nothing that's going to happen where you go, whoa, wait, did he just did he just really say that? Right. Did he really just say and that? And Harry would do that all whether the time. whether it's humor or whether it's calling a guy out or whatever the case might be. Just that element of unpredictability in the booth, I think, is is great and makes the game that much more entertaining.
1: I can tell you for a fact, though, and, and this is not across the board, but I have heard that there are teams in this town where if their talents, TV people criticize them, they get called in and talked to, which is crazy. Let but that's guy... why. But they're afraid for their job, right? So that's why they'll never tell you. But the problem is, what the team doesn't get is it kills all credibility. Because if you're just, if you're, if you lose six to one and you're like, well, the bright side, we're going to talk about the bright, there's no bright side. And your fans know that. They're not stupid. You are, if you call your people in for criticizing a team after a bad game, you are basically saying the fans are dummies. And we can brainwash them by telling them th- that what they saw they didn't see. Right. Let's get a quick call in on this. It's David in Minneapolis here
0: on Mackey and Jud with Rami. What's up, Dave?
2: Not much. Uh, so, Judd, I agree with you about that part about where they're they're commenting on stuff you can already you already know. I hate that as well. But I also dislike it when I'm watching a game, and baseball has a natural tension to it, and the constant talking at times. It's like sometimes they just don't let things rest and let things play out mm-hmm. there's constant talking and i don't need that and i also don't need inane batter between t- or um banter between two people when there's already something going on in the field i don't need to know your inside jokes that you guys are talking about like you know little asides that you're having like i get it in a blowout but when it's there's an actual game i don't need to know that i want to hear the stuff like you said where there's insight about stuff i have no idea as as just you know a follower of baseball
1: Thanks Dave. Appreciate the call. Yeah, he's exactly right. And if it's a yeah, if it's a blowout and the game stinks, I I get it. But yeah, he's right. If if it's uh if it's a close game, you know, but what frustrates me the the most now back to your point about personalities is broadcasters especially on TV aren't allowed to show personality on one side because a lot of teams don't like that. And that just to me ends up being boring. And I don't again, this is baseball sort
0: of missing the missing the missing the ball, I guess, it to, to bring the punt home, but they they don't realize they're shooting themselves in the foot. This goes back to the same thing we were talking about earlier of marketing the game and making it accessible. They don't understand that by making it less entertaining in the
1: booth that they are actually hurting themselves and shooting themselves in the foot. Well, I think they see it as a business investment not to do it and, and your right is what they don't understand is Assuming fans are stupid and and will buy what they're selling at every turn is a monumental mistake. The only problem is more and more, and this is the frustrating thing, more and more we do seem to get these Pollyanna fans of teams who, and and this is not true across the board, okay, but we do get a certain segment of those fans who buy this and are like, yeah, you shouldn't criticize the team. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Or they just get mad and leave. It's like there's a happy, the Cubs for years, right? The Cubs were fun because you got mad at them. They in made a, it more in fun. A sense, yes. They made it more fun. I mean, I mean, that's what kept the fun. Right. But it appears as if the ship has sailed. As far as, far as, as you're not, the Harry Carries are just gone. Yeah, they're just not around
0: anymore. And some great play-by-play guys out there. But again, it's just not what it used to be from an entertainment standpoint up in a baseball booth. And I think owners in the past got that. You know what? This is kind of a slow moving game. There's a lot of time to fill here. We should get a guy up here who can actually fill that time and fill it entertainingly.
1: Now do me the one thing is radio is still fun. Yes. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's people are like what are you talking about? But I still I still think sports on Radio and especially baseball, can be great fun. And celebrating
0: in baseball is fun. Even the Pirates like it when you celebrate. Well, they like it when they celebrate, not when you celebrate against them. We'll talk about that next. Fantasy, fantasy, fantasy golf. golf. Seriously, that's your fantasy? Score North
2: Fantasy Golf.
0: It's your chance to compete against Score North personalities in majors fantasy golf. Pick which golfers you think will perform best at the first major of the year that starts Thursday for your chance at the grand prize of a two-night stay at Craigans Resort on Gull Lake and other great prizes from Parway Golf and Chill. Some restrictions apply. Find complete rules and regulations
2: at scorenorth.com. Take a swing at Score North Fantasy Golf. Register at scorenorth.com, keyword golf. And, of course, pitch comes in at him, and Archer's going to be warned. And Archer apparently has a problem with it. And David Bell saying, well, why warn him? And here comes everybody who wants to talk about it. These two teams have played each other
0: quite a bit here in the early going, and it's feisty. The old baseball code had been broken, apparently. When do we throw out that old baseball code? Was that the uh, Pirates, or that was the Reds TV network, was it not, Jonathan? Uh, I think it was the Reds, Let's just credit them both. Reds and Pirates (laughs) TV network there on the call. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. On the all-new Score North on 1500, I'm Rami. There's Judd Zalgat. Jonathan Harrison on the other side of the glass. Patrick Roycey will join us. We wrap with Royce at 540, but that ensued, and then uh, Soler tried to fight the entire Pittsburgh Pirates team. No, Puig. sure Oh, yeah, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Yasiel Puig tried Puig to fight did, yeah. the entire Pittsburgh Pirates team, and uh, it was another brouhaha in Major League Baseball yesterday, Judd, because the unwritten rules had been broken when, uh, Derek Dietrich hit a home run that damn near went over the river, over oh, the right field wall, yeah. and stood there and admired it for a while, for a good long while, like set the bat down and stood there and admired it for a while. And obviously, Archer and the Pirates and, and their chode of a manager, uh, Clint Hurdle, all obviously took exception with that. And of course, then you have to throw baseballs at people and endanger their safety because your feelings were hurt. I'm, I'm so sick of this crap. I'm just so sick of this crap. Judd, I don't know. How or when it stops, maybe it just takes baseball dinosaurs like Clint Hurdle to die out and be phased out of the game. I don't know if this will ever stop, but I I, sh- I really hope that it stops sometime soon.
1: So Dietrich, next time up, um, Archer threw behind his backside. Mm-hmm. So at least he didn't throw at his helmet, his head, which is the one that always offends me the most. All right, here's my, and I've not heard this brought up, here's my conundrum with this entire thing. And this is where I need help. I am tired of baseball having these rules that don't exist, but they're unwritten rules that supposedly you can't violate. Okay. But ordinarily what I'm used to is the old baseball uh, uh, stodges, guys like me who are like, you can't celebrate you did. Therefore it's time for you to eat a baseball. And I just say that has to go away. That's just dumb. But what do you do about Chris Archer? Because he is real quick. Real quick, before yeah. you do this, because I think I know where you're going with yeah.
0: this, uh, a tweet that Derek Wetmore dug up and, and tweeted at me today. He didn't have to dig that far because this was tweeted yesterday. Oh, the Pirates, yeah. 10.13 a.m. Yep, at 10.13 a.m. yesterday, mere hours yep. before they pulled that crap against the Cincinnati Reds, the Pirates tweeted this out from their official account, blue check mark and everything. He's having too much fun. He's too excited. He shows too much emotion. He's our guy, and we love it. Let, period, the, period, kids, period, play, period. And it's a 22-second highlight reel of Chris Archer striking jokers out and then backpedaling to the dugout or fist-pumping and celebrating and doing everything that a pitcher can do to celebrate his accomplishments Mm -hmm. on the mound. Mm -hmm. Yet Derek Dietrich admires a home run he hit off Chris Archer and all of a sudden we can't let the kids play anymore now the kids playing
1: is a problem so that's I my, don't I don't that, understand but that's my question so so this is not the this is not the veteran pitcher gave up home run got shown up and veteran pitcher himself doesn't show players up and therefore he got mad and and sought vengeance this is player who likes to celebrate his own accomplishments is mad that somebody else did the same thing so what do we do here Because this is, this now, and and, and Chris Archer has a history of this. Target field last year, Archer's pitching for, before he got traded, from Tampa to Pittsburgh, okay? Tampa Bay, which they always do, is shifting. Radically. Mm -hmm. Third baseman's either at shortstop or second. I don't know where the hell he went. Rosario is leading off third base. And Rosario, who's a pretty heads-up player, who plays an aggressive style of game, God bless him for it, when a pitcher or, or when a team shifts like that, Rosario comes down the line, basically. He comes more than halfway. He's essentially going to try to get into the, the visual path of the pitcher throwing a pitch because right. there's no way to pick off the player going back to third base. Anyway, that game progresses. Archer didn't like it and is yelling at Rosario from the dugout and eventually goes after him in some way. And I forget exactly how, but it ended up, it ended up not with a brawl, but certainly with a problem. Okay. Rosario is playing aggressive baseball there against a shift, which I would encourage. Chris Archer didn't like that. So what do we do with the Chris Archers? You can't be flamboyant and then tell the other guy you can't be flamboyant. It doesn't, make, it doesn't work. If we're going to let the kids play, we
0: yeah. have to let all the kids play. So play this out for not me. Not just what? the kids wearing Pirates uniforms.
1: What do we do? What, what needs to happen? Because this is not the old baseball discussion of old guy doesn't like something. Here's what we need to do. Umpires need to completely change
0: the way that they handle this crap because when you have a situation like you had last night, and until these unwritten rules are are done away with and guys stop throwing at each other because their feelings are hurt, what needs to happen is after a guy pimps a home run like he did last night, the next time Dietrich comes up to the plate and you know something is about to happen, that's when the umpire steps in front of home plate, points at both dugouts and says warnings. If anybody gets hit. Your pitcher is ejected. You don't wait for Chris Archer to retaliate to to the slight because now you now you're basically now you're basically in, indoctrinating the unwritten rules. You're saying, "Yeah, it's okay if you hit him because he showed you up." Or you perceive that he showed you up, but then
1: it has to stop after that. Then everything is even. And that's why the Reds David Bell got so mad. Right. Because he's saying, "Now if the ball comes close to a Pirates player, our guy gets ejected. Umpires
0: in Major League Baseball need to step in and say, you can't hit a guy because you feel slighted and your feelings were hurt. That's an automatic ejection right there. We don't wait for the first beating. Yeah, he's got
1: to throw Archer out. Yeah. And
0: then you're thrown out. I agree. You're you. thrown out right away if you tr- if you try and, and retaliate to a perceived sliding at the hands of the other player because he hit a home run off you. This stuff needs to. And, and, and what, what, what? And what was, was
1: Puig doing too, though? You know, he Puig was had ready no, to no. everybody. Puig had no involvement. I love it. And he, <laughs> and he jumped out of the dugout. I love it. And you're right. Was ready to kill it. That's everybody. the teammate I want. But there was no. There was like no Yasiel Puig involvement until he decided I'm going to go kick some pirate butt.
0: That's the type of teammate I want. I don't know about you. That's the guy. But uh, Archer is a hypocrite, and that really bothers me. Right. Speaking of uh, hypocrites and drama and, and fighting, uh Tom Pelissero has some tweets from. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, who appeared on the Wildey and Taos show on ESPN Wisconsin today, and Rodgers did not hold back on the recent Bleacher Report article that was put out there. He called it, quote, a smear attack featuring mostly irrelevant, bitter players with agendas, outright lies stated as facts. On Mark Murphy telling Aaron Rodgers, I don't remember reading this. It was a long article, so it's quite possible I forgot it. But did they in the article say that Murphy told Aaron Rodgers, quote, don't be a problem, while informing him, yeah, the that Packers a, yeah. were hiring Matt Lafleur. Okay. Yes, that must have been uh, that must have slipped my mind. Rodgers said, "quote It's ridiculous. It's 100% patently false." Says the same uh, two unnamed teammates, always saying things in these stories. (laughs) Should we take any guesses? Rodgers talking about his former coach. I love Mike McCarthy. Mike has been a huge part of my success in my career, acknowledges they had issues as any long issue does, but always dealt with it face to face.
1: Okay. That kills some credibility because there's no way he loves Mike McCarthy. Also said we as
0: Packers fans and Packer people, I think we need to honor and respect Mike uh, the right way. We had a hell of a run. Notes that McCarthy still lives in Green Bay, encourages fans. If they see McCarthy shake his hand, and tell him thanks for the memories. That's sort of condescending. Asked if he has any regrets about his relationship with Mike McCarthy. Rodgers says, I wish I hadn't said anything after the Bills game last year. Said he wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but knows how it came across. The beauty in our relationship is it grew year after year. And Rodgers outwardly questioned the play calling in that Bills game, in the post-game press conference. That's what he's talking about right there, that he wishes he hadn't said what he said After that Buffalo game, more uh, of Rodgers on Friction with McCarthy as the coach says, quote, it's just two alpha males who are hyper competitive and love winning and are both a little stubborn. But again, we talked through so many issues over the years that made us a lot stronger compares uh, to the relationship with Favre. And then finally, Rodgers after Jason Whitley, or Wilde specifically mentions Greg Jennings and Michael Finley, if it's not an article about me, do you ever hear their names anywhere else? You talk about me being sensitive and petty. At what point do you move on or stop telling the
1: same stories? Not surprised that he thinks Greg is uh, backstabbing him. So, so when, when you see these quotes, as a guy who covered this team for a long time, your thoughts?
0: My thoughts are, my thoughts don't change based on these quotes. I think a lot of, and he's not the first person, not the first great athlete to have this problem. Michael Jordan had this. The same thing that drives you and the same thing that fuels you, those same personality traits, that chip on your shoulder, that edge that you carry with you everywhere, not just on the field, but in practice, in your personal life, everywhere you go, you have that same drive, that same edge, that same chip on your shoulder goes too far sometimes, and it becomes counterproductive. It starts doing more harm than good. This isn't the first time I've heard that Aaron Rodgers, and not to say that the relationship was was completely and totally dysfunctional between him and Mike McCarthy, but it's not the first time that I heard that Rodgers always had it out for Mike McCarthy, and there was always this underlying issue of Mike McCarthy passing on him in the draft or (laughs) suggesting they should pass on Rodgers in the draft when he was the offensive coordinator in San Francisco. They took Alex Smith one. Rodgers was embarrassed that night sitting in the NFL green room by himself all the way until pick number 23, and Rodgers never let that go. He he always held that against Mike McCarthy, and it was something that always sort of poisoned the relationship and was always an underlying issue. And for... You let something like that drive you and fuel you, yes, no doubt about it. You go out there and you try and prove him wrong and say, this is why you should have picked me. But to let it constantly be something that is always underlying and poisoning and affecting that relationship is insane because 22 teams – passed on you and the way that guys shuffle through NFL front offices and coaching staffs, he was going to end up working for somebody who passed on him in the draft. That was just going to happen. So he almost put himself in a position where no matter who he ended up with, no matter where he ended up, he was going to have a, a poisoned relationship with his coach or his GM or somebody in that organization. And on top of that, when he says that JerMichael Finley and Greg Jennings are petty, He's probably right, but a common theme in the Aaron Rodgers portion of that article was that being in a good place with Aaron Rodgers is a very good place to be. Being in a bad place with Aaron Rodgers, even if you don't really know how you got there, is a terrible place to be, and it's almost impossible to get out of there. So he freezes these guys out, and yeah, they they don't feel any loyalty to you, so they're going to go out and speak the truth. There's pettiness On both sides, and this is what I said when that article first came out, when relationships break down and they break down in the public eye, our instinct as fans, our instinct doing what we do in the media, Judd, is to be very simplistic and very binary about it and try and find the guy whose fault it is and point a finger. When the truth is, almost any time any kind of relationship breaks down, personal, professional, or otherwise, there's usually blame to go around, and everybody involved deserves a portion of it, And that's exactly what the case is here. Aaron Rodgers still doesn't want to own any of it. The guys on the other side of it still don't want to own any of it. And so I don't know if Aaron Rodgers learned anything from this or grew, but who am I to tell Aaron Rodgers he needs to learn anything or grow? He's accomplished much more in his life than I have. That's just how I see it from the outside in.
1: What's interesting is what makes him great and what made Favre great is also what makes them at times complete jerks and petty. And Aaron... Aaron and Brett both probably wouldn't like to admit this, but they are way more similar in how they're wired than most people think. Because we are talking about two guys that freeze people out, hold grudges, get mad. The interesting thing on the teams that pass though, and Moss used the same thing, and and it's what makes you what can make you a pain in the ass can also make you great, is two Randy Moss's last day, Hall of Fame receiver. And until his last couple of years, phenomenal player. He used as fuel the fact that all those teams passed on him, even though they all, I'm sure, said we made a huge mistake. All admitted to it. Nobody said, you know what? I'm glad I did. Passed on Randy Moss, but Rodgers is the same way, and that's why it's always it's it's so difficult to figure out where that line should be drawn. Because what makes these guys so ultra-successful and so great is a comp- an addictive, competitive personality that also makes them what can be complete pains. Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Randy Moss can be complete pains. And I just I think it's so interesting, though, in the Favre and, and Rodgers comparison, while what they've done on the field can be very far apart in the fact that Aaron will not make the throws that Brett would make every day of the week, the, their wiring was very consistently the exact same way, to where I think privately people would say that guy could be a an, an real pain in the butt, a real pain. One hundred percent worth it, though. If you're and you're if you're a fan of the team, or if you care about trying to win games or championships, or if, I mean, if you're, a, if you're a GM, yes, absolutely. You put up, you put up with this, clip. absolutely. But it is it is an interesting conversation that, and this is the one thing. This is and and this comes from covering athletes. And I'm I'm not talking about them them all, but there are a lot of athletes who live in a world that does not, not exist and their ability to suspend belief is phenomenal in different ways. Because any rational human being knows that Aaron Rodgers should sit there and say, these teams passed, and I showed them, and guess what? Every one of them, if I called them right now, would say, we made a mistake. We're sorry, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still, instead, what you're saying is true, which is he is now, what, 34? 35. 35 years old, and he's still <laughs> sitting there pouting and being motivated by the fact that the San Francisco 49ers, who know they made a monumental screw-up, passed on him and furthermore it has to go down to and my head coach for X amount of years, Mike McCarthy's part of that. It doesn't make it's not rational. Like you would send if an athlete came to you with some of the stuff that these guys believe to be true and have convinced themselves, you would immediately send them to therapy. (laughs) No, you would. You'd be like, this is dude, this is not healthy. You need help. You need, you need psychiatric help. Right. Because what you're saying is irrational, not healthy, and you need therapy. And I'm I'm not making fun of therapy for one second. It's great, okay? So I'm being I'm being real here. Realistically, you would say to those people, you need therapy. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You're not right in the head, right? Like, and we can you get got, you there. You got some underlying issues, yes. Dude. But instead, this is how they win. Like, in their minds, this is how they have success. And Rodgers
0: wins with some people in terms of public perception because I had people tweeting me all weekend as I was tweeting some of the things, basically, that I just said to you about the whole situation. Well, how come come the guys who play with them now aren't saying this stuff? Because, again... (laughs) They're in, they're in, like, if you watch, uh, Stranger Things, there's like the normal world, and then there's the upside down. They're not in the Aaron Rodgers upside down yet. And it's scary in the upside down. And so, yeah, you act irrationally and you start saying things that maybe you wouldn't or shouldn't say. Those guys are all still in the good graces of Aaron Rodgers. They haven't felt the wrath of uh, an Aaron Rodgers who feels slighted by you. Mm -hmm. God forbid you go and talk to Brett Favre after he goes to play for the Vikings, Greg Jennings. Why are you talking to him? He actually said that to him in the locker room after a game. Why? Because that's his friend. He played football with him
1: and sat in the locker next to him for five years. And Favre made Jennings great before Aaron did Right, exactly. So you would be indebted to Brett. So... Of course, those guys don't have
0: anything bad to say about Aaron Rodgers. They're in the good place with him. The theme of the article, again, was that when you're in a good place with Aaron Rodgers, it's great. When you get in a bad place with Aaron Rodgers, it's terrible, and there is almost no way of getting out of there. So it makes sense. That the people who are his teammates and in his, his good graces now have nothing but great things to say about him because they've
1: seen the bright, sunny side of Aaron Rodgers. They haven't seen the dark well, side. Well, Can you imagine if, if you if you went to tie Don and, and you played for the Packers currently and said, I got some dirt, right? You're gone. You're gone. You're looking for like a what, job tomorrow. Does any does any fan out there really think that Winston. a player is going to sabotage him, himself? And that and that does not mean that the player is telling the truth. He's trying to preserve his career. Winston Moss, their linebackers coach
0: last year, vaguely criticized Aaron Rodgers' leadership abilities in a tweet. He was fired the next day. He's a weird guy. He's a crazy person.
1: That press conference and we played this months ago before you got here. He's kooky. He's one of the scary, I know exactly the one and you're talking Will, about. Wildy said to him finally. Where's the Winston that we used to know? The one with just a lot of awkward silence? Yes. Yeah. And Winston
0: was like, I can't help you. That. You could feel Winston Moss staring daggers through reporters listening to it on the radio.
1: Like, <laughs> Do we ever know what? Ha- who crossed Winston
0: Moss? I, what we thought happened was that he said things in the media that maybe Mike McCarthy or the front office okay. felt he should not be saying. So then he got bitter about it and bottled up. Because people printed what he said. He didn't just look like He
1: looked like he would, um, yeah,
0: like he would knock your head you. off yes. yeah, if given the chance. Little we'll quick break. On the other side, Patrick Royce will rap with Royce. You're listening to Mackey and Judd with Rami on the all-news. Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Thank you, Jonathan, Mackey, and Judd with Rami. And it is time now to rap with Royce. And there is Patrick Royce. Pat, how are you this evening, sir?
2: I am just fine. I uh, just arrived downstairs at the uh, U.S. Bank Stadium for the uh, Final Four, and this must be the last uh, game of the year because they have ice for the Diet Coke uh, today. They haven't had that previously.
0: So Were that, they out of ice previously? Up,
2: they up, no, I, they weren't bothering to put it in there. They're kind of <laughs> celebrating the end of the season by giving us ice. I'm very happy. Why is ice,
1: ice is so hard to, to find. The Wolves' biggest problem is always ice, Pat. I don't understand why ice, ice to me seems like it should not be the biggest problem with the concessions.
2: Ice when they shoot threes, ice when they serve coats. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the, ice, the, ice, the ice in the press, that, that ice machine, that, I mean that pop machine in the uh, in Target Center is always out of ice in the media Room, That's that's for sure. You've got to have the ice, man. I know. Warm. There's nothing nothing to recommend. Luke Rock warm sodas, that's for sure.
1: There is not.
2: But uh, what a day. What a gorgeous day. We're, and they're all going to get out of town before we get our beautiful middle April snowstorm. So they'll think, hey, this Minnesota weather is pretty good. What's up? F- we'll have the Chamber of Commerce to be telling us tomorrow how everybody's going to come back. because it's, it's a great experience. Yeah, all those people from Lubbock are going to make that 1,100-a-mile drive again, aren't they? <laughs>
1: No. So, but this on. will come back. The Super Bowl's not coming back. This will come back.
2: Oh yeah, it is a comeback. About eight, you know, Sid will get very fired up because Sid will be 110 uh, when it comes back, and uh <laughs> Nath will give him a, give him a shout out again. Everybody, everybody, be fine. Pat- yes, uh, this is going to be interesting. Basketball game, though. Man alive, this it could be a wrestling match. I got a hunch the referees are going to call way more fouls on Texas Tech and that uh, maybe. I I picked Texas Tech just because I think Virginia's used up all their luck, but uh, the officials could determine this in Virginia's favor too.
0: Is this going to be so, a first I team to 35 wins? Type of game, Pat? Well, I
2: think I'd take 60 right now if I was uh, playing in this game. But, you know, sometimes guys come out and you get 12 down, and then all of a sudden the game starts moving. So, you know, you always, as as the old racing motto about sports is, we always know what's going to happen unless it doesn't. And uh, that's, uh, that's good. But uh, I think certainly this has been old-fashioned, grind it out, beat each other up get away with a lot of physical play, uh, basketball, which I kind of enjoy. I like it better than throwing it into the center and have them throw it back out. And some guy shoot a three and, uh, you know, the basketball to me has become so dang predictable, that uh, uh, you know, that, and I, I, I think the three point, I am the guy, I am the one guy in America who thinks the three pointer ruined basketball. Me and Bobby Knight, I guess that's the only thing that's ever. Yeah. <laughs> I like the mid range jumper. I'm sorry. I like Sammy Cassell on the break on the pull up jumper. I thought that was a magnificent, beautiful play.
1: Don't tell the kids that. The kids don't like that.
2: No, no, that shot's harder to hit than a three when you got your feet set, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. They just showed the, they just showed the uh they're just showing the Auburn last call again. Wow, man, last that's a tough call to make with six tenths of a second to go. But
1: they hadn't made that call all game. That Not that's what word. got me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They let them beat the hell out of each yep. other, but it isn't the worst ever. The worst ever was Michigan Seton Hall when that uh, they were going to go to overtime, and John Cloggerty called the touch foul on, uh, on uh, I can't remember who the Syracuse kid was, but sent Rumel Robinson to the line and won that. What had been a great basketball game. So there is no sport, gentlemen, where uh, the officials have more input than this one. Pat, it's I want Because you can immediately score points. By their decisions, which is any you know, even if they make a bad call in hockey, you got to go out there and get a goal. And every other sport, you got to you got to go out and do something. Here, all you got to do is walk to a line and make a fifteen footer.
0: Pat, speaking of the way things used to be, I think the Pirates are still thinking baseball is played the way that it used to be. Did you see what happened between the Pirates and the Reds yesterday? And what are your thoughts?
2: Oh yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It was fantastic. Uh, I don't know why there, but I guess he had did some guy named Dietrich who is that the guy who used to play in Miami about five years ago. Yeah. Yes. That probably got about eight home runs. Uh, watched one, and uh, we had to throw at him. That that must be Clint Hurdle, huh? One of the old timers. I I know Clint. I like him, and uh, I didn't realize he was that kind of guy would jokes archer to throw at that guy or maybe archer's just upset that he's stuck in pittsburgh and tampa's winning a bunch of games and uh he's not around and uh he's like gotta go outside every day and freeze his arse off when he could be in tampa i don't know uh maybe it was just him but it was ridiculous but i love twig i suppose we're gonna have to suspend have we suspended twig yet i haven't seen
1: i've not seen the news report yet
2: no I got to think he's going to get five games for being insane, but God, it was great. Uh, I, I was Everybody, a lot of uh, WrestleMania jokes about that, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the, the one photo there, which uh, Jed showed me again today earlier when I saw it, of him taking on the whole team was fantastic, wasn't
1: it? Oh, it's a great photo. It, that should win something. Yeah. That should win some type of award. It's a great photograph.
2: Yes, oh, yeah, it was, but he was not. He was, he was willing to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Last time I, uh, last time I saw a guy that ready to kill everybody, it was a hundred years ago when Bobby Coluccio had hit a couple home runs in the, for, for the, uh, for the Brewers against the Twins and Ray Corbin hit him in the head, laid him out at home plate. And, uh, and, uh, the fight started and Bobby Darwin, who was a big, strong man, started chasing these guys. And he was chasing Ken Berry, the outfielder for the Brewers, all over the stadium, finally down a tunnel. And uh, and uh, somebody said, can Ken Berry fight? And Bobby Darwin says, I don't know, but he can run. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pat, we got to run. That was one of the great brawls. Okay. See, ya. Uh,
0: See you there. Hey, bye, bye man, Pat there's pat royce you're headed down there right now yes you, and unchained
1: Jeff? with uh, patrick is next and Coming patrick next. was unchained completely today it's nice. a great
0: listen thanks to you for listening if you missed any of the show Scorenorth.com, north.com wherever you download podcasts get the app we're also on spotify and uh just say alexa open score north for judd jonathan i'm rami saying thanks for listening we'll talk to you tomorrow four o'clock
1: But yeah, oh, um, I'll talk to you later. Bye.